0: Vertical farming is a new green trend that's happening in Taiwan.
1: You can even try it on your own apartment balcony. Stash talks to our partners at Voice of America about that.
0: We'll also tell you about upcycling basketballs and an Omicron subvariant in Taiwan.
1: And in Hashtag Taiwan, I'm going to tell you about Lithuanian rum and chocolate in Taiwan. This is Taiwan Insider.
0: Today, we look at a revolutionary trend in farming, vertical farming. Stash Butler visited Yes Health, the company behind Taiwan's largest vertical farm.
2: In some ways, agriculture in Taiwan looks a lot like it did 50 years ago. Farmers harvest crops from the fields and orchards that fill Taiwan's flatlands. But away from it all, in a warehouse in Taoyuan City, one company is doing things very differently. Now this huge building behind me is the iFarm. farm It's run by Yes Health. It's the biggest vertical farm in Taiwan and produces one and a half tons of leafy vegetables every day. The team from Yes Health has agreed to give me an inside look at how their vertical farm runs. Chief Commercial Officer Jesper Hansen tells me what the company is all about.
3: So we're a 10 year old company. We started by building and developing technology for vertical farming um, in Taoyuan, Taiwan. We've since uh, become the largest operator and seller of produce from a vertical farm. Today, selling into Jason's, Carrefour, Costco and a number of high-end restaurants and hotels throughout northern Taiwan. We have built and today operate the largest vertical farm in mainland China. We have also built and operate the largest vertical farm in Europe. And over the next couple of years, we will be building more and more farms throughout Asia, Middle East, Europe and North America mainly.
2: We head down into a huge hall lined with row upon row of growing beds. Jesper explains how it works.
3: We can super tailor the environment in there to fit the needs of each plant and as a result we can over time accumulate wealth of data that we can apply towards uh, knowing what is the, the, the more efficient setup.
2: And that setup even extends to the music you can hear
3: here is not playing for tourists. We, we use uh, music in there to enhance the playing cross. Um, so to, that's something that research has shown. Really yeah,
2: exactly. Research has even found that soil isn't necessarily the best medium for growing crops.
3: So hydroponic growing is substituting soil as a medium with water. Water is an easier medium to control and it's easier to provide the nutrients to the root through water than through soil. It's an immense saving from traditional field farming. Here we can grow using only a couple of percentages of what would have been used outdoor, meaning that the savings in water can easily be 90-95 percent.
2: And the company has developed a way of filling its water with microscopic bubbles to enrich the water with oxygen. Yes Health even makes its own organic fertilizer to feed to its plants with bacteria to prevent algae and fungus from growing.
3: This formula will have almost 50 different proprietary bacteria that we've developed in our lab that will have some kind of antagonist mechanism towards those bacteria that we don't want to see.
2: And the final ingredient for it all? Light.
3: We create the sunlight using LED technology and one of the reasons why vertical farming is a uh, viable business today is because the LED technology has improved a lot over the past decade. In order for us to lower energy consumption as much as possible, we don't want to be using any electricity, which is a cost for us. That is not necessary to grow the plant. And all the lights that are not essentially important for the plant growth or the plant health, we would cut away.
2: All that's left is for me to try some of the produce for myself in the form of a fresh salad. Jesper Hansen is realistic about the industry's future, saying vertical farming will never completely replace traditional agriculture. But if companies like Yes Health keep growing like they do, don't be surprised to find a lab-grown salad coming soon to a plate near you.
0: Vertical farming is a global trend. You can even do it at home on an apartment balcony. Here's a report from our partners at Voice of America.
4: In densely populated cities such as Washington, D.C., there's often nowhere to grow food but up. Vertical farming is just one of the urban farming concepts on display at the University of the District of Columbia's Urban Food Hub. Controlled environment ag uh, is able to grow anywhere between 3 to 10 times as much food per square foot as a traditional farm. Uh, we're also growing in a controlled environment climatically, so we don't have nearly as much of the pest pressure, which mitigates needing to spray pesticides and herbicides as well. So there's no nutrient runoff, there's no chemical runoff from sites like this. All the food grown here is donated to local nonprofit organizations and food banks. Distributed locally means cutting down the environmental impact of gasoline use and food waste.
5: Well, the U.S., The food miles can add up to anywhere
6: from 1,500 to 2,000. That is, uh, if you add all the miles that make up your plate of food, it's just so much.
4: Experts say anyone can start growing food inside or outside their homes. All it takes is sunlight, a little space, and some patience. Even an apartment balcony can work.
5: You just have to... But whatever you're growing on, maybe the amount of sunlight that you're getting. So uh, if you are getting anywhere from uh, six and and above, like six, seven, eight hours of of light, then you can do uh, tomatoes. Again, you can do you know peppers. If you are not getting that amount of light, you want to start thinking of the more of the leafy leafy greens, uh, you know, Swiss chard,
4: uh, spinach, and stuff like that. The global population is projected to exceed 9 billion by 2050. And by then, two out of every three people are expected to live in urban areas. I see us more as almost revolutionaries, right? We're revolutionizing how food is grown, where it's grown, and who has access to it. Or as these folks say, urban farming is not a fad, it's a necessity. Chris Casquejo, VOA News, Washington. To find out more about vertical
2: farming on a smaller scale, I asked Voice of America reporter Chris Casquejo, what kinds of people are taking part in this growing trend?
4: Well, if they're interested in sustainability, if they you know if they look into the research of you know the distance that food travels to get to their plates, you know, it's that kind of consumer who, who wants to do their part, the kind of consumer that is conscious about recycling, conscious about what kind of car they drive. You know, they might drive a hybrid vehicle or an electric vehicle. So those are the kinds of people that seem to be taking part in these kinds of smaller scale operations. And they consider themselves not environmental activists, but revolutionaries, because they're addressing those issues of food security and nutrition and sustainability. So you're you're seeing a lot of things at play here. What, what are the kinds of things that people here could grow? The leafy greens, the microgreens, greens, the, the Swiss charge, the bok choy, uh, you know, all the kinds of stuff that are good for you. But of course, there's limitations. You can't grow wheat or rice in sort of this vertical situation. So those are the things that you can grow on your own. And that's what we're seeing people do who are trying to get into this you know, on their own or on a smaller scale because they're easier and they're quicker growing. Like, it takes a couple of months for tomatoes and peppers to grow, whereas it takes a couple of days or weeks for microgreens or Swiss chards or bok choy or lettuce or kale to grow. What would be your advice to someone who wanted to kind of start doing this for themselves? Start small. You know, you can you can start growing herbs like basil you know, and then work your way up to the more um, branchy herbs. And then and then the greens you can grow in jars in your own home, you know, as long as you have enough sunlight, six, seven, eight hours of sunlight. Uh, and then find resources online. There's all kinds of websites online where you can visit. You know, they have classes, they have online videos, YouTube. So th- there's just all kinds of resources out there if you want to get started on this, sort of smaller scale growing. I I wouldn't even call it farming because farming might intimidate people because they think on a larger scale, oh, I need a patch of land. No, you don't. I mean, if you want to grow things in your own home, you have water, you have sunlight, you have jars, you can do it.
1: Basketball is one of the most popular sports in Taiwan, but discarded equipment from the sport creates a lot of non-biodegradable waste. Luckily, one Taiwanese startup is making a business out of turning that trash into treasure.
2: Plant pots, key rings, handbags. You don't need to be a basketball fan to recognize the orange rubber in all of these designs. They're part of a collection by Double Dribble, a design company putting upcycling and sustainability at the heart of the business. Out of their new base in Taipei's Songshan Cultural Market, the company's three founders run workshops teaching others their craft. What began as a design school project is now a flourishing enterprise thanks partly to a generous loan from the government. Co-founder Huang Weiyu says Double Dribble aims to recycle each ball without downgrading the material in the process. He says each new product preserves the ball's unique character. Double Dribble mostly uses discarded basketballs for its designs along with the odd volleyball or American football. Each ball is different and turning them into viable products takes time and patience. Huang says they have to cut each ball to size before cleaning it and trimming it further. He says it's a very labor-intensive process. But none of those difficulties have stopped customers from wanting to take part. Double Dribble runs do-it-yourself courses, teaching people how to turn a tired old basketball into a hanging planter. With more and more innovative designs in production, Double Dribble aims to make upcycling basketballs into a slam-dunk
1: success. COVID-19 is continuously mutating as it spreads around the world. That's how we ended up with the Omicron variant, which has become the dominant form of the virus circulating around the world. Now, a subvariant of Omicron has been identified in Taiwan, originating from a cluster at a port in the south.
6: COVID-19 keeps evolving as it spreads through populations around the world. Taiwan has recently reported a cluster of cases of unknown origin centered around the port of Kaohsiung. Testing has revealed a connection between those infections and a new subvariant of Omicron, BA2. The Dean of National Taiwan University Children's Hospital, Huang Li Min, says that the appearance of infections means that the virus is already present in the community. He says the subvariant seems more infectious than Omicron, but it's uncertain by how much. This latest wave of infections also seems to spread more readily among younger age groups than was the case in the past. Most of those infected in January were under 50, with a relatively high proportion of young adults and children. Fewer serious symptoms are associated with infections among the youth, but that also means the spread of the virus is harder to contain. Toxicologist Zhao Mingwei says that transmissions in places like kindergartens are impossible to contain. He remains ambiguous, however, on whether this is a cause for concern. It is also still too early to determine whether the COVID virus can be treated as endemic. Dr. Huang says that treating the coronavirus as endemic will require time, and he doubts it will be possible anytime soon. Professor Zhao says that in order to treat the virus as endemic, the mortality rate needs to be low. He says Omicron's mortality and side effects remain a serious concern to the unvaccinated. Professor of Public Health at National Taiwan University, Chen Xo-shi, says that in order to control the spread of the COVID virus, it is important to try to minimize the number of asymptomatic patients and deploy large-scale rapid testing.
2: Next up, Leslie daydreams about Lithuanian chocolate in Hashtag Taiwan.
1: At the beginning of this year, Taiwan Tobacco & Liquor Corporation committed to buying 20,000 bottles of Lithuanian rum that was denied entry into China. Why did that happen? Well, Chinese-Lithuanian ties right now are really strained because Taiwan and Lithuania decided to open representative offices in each other's countries. And Taiwan got to call its office the Taiwanese representative office instead of something involving the phrase Chinese Taipei. That makes China unhappy because it thinks Lithuania is legitimizing Taiwan's identity as a separate country. So anyway, long story short, China won't import the rum so that's why Taiwan is getting it here instead. Earlier this week, TTL released details on when it's gonna make the rum available for purchase. The company says it will release an initial 6,000 bottle batch on February 1st to the public. Each bottle will cost 600 New Taiwan dollars, which is about 21 US dollars. Now, TTL has been criticized online for its pricing. Online users pointed out that in China, the rum goes for about a quarter of what TTL is asking for. But if you ask me, a Taiwanese person, I think this rum is worth so much more than its monetary value. I kind of see it as an important historical artifact that marks a significant time in Taiwanese-Lithuanian ties. But if you're not like me and you want to purchase the rum for consumption, well then Taiwan's National Development Councils got you covered because they published a whole bunch of recipe suggestions using the rum online. As a reminder, if you choose to consume alcohol, be it Lithuanian or not, please do so responsibly. In other news though, Lithuanian chocolate is selling like hotcakes in Taiwan. Natalie, who loves frequenting Lithuanian chocolate shop Ruta, wrote on Twitter that the store was pretty much sold out of many flavors. Now with the supply chain issues going on around the world, it might take a while for the store shelves to get restocked. But then again, I recently saw a Twitter thread that got me thinking about Taiwanese-Lithuanian chocolate collaboration. Dr. Zhuzha Anna Ferenci first tweeted that a Lithuanian chocolate maker wanted to create a type of Taiwanese flavored chocolate. Then, Taiwan NextGen founder research fellow Marcin Jazewski actually then went into detail about why Taiwan's chocolate production industry is primed for a partnership with Lithuania. Yezevski tweeted that cocoa beans, the key component in chocolate, first came to Taiwan from Indonesia in 1922. He pointed out that Taiwan's southernmost Pingtung County has a very suitable climate for producing cocoa. He says that when Taiwan was a Japanese colony, several major Japanese companies wanted to set up cocoa ventures in Taiwan. And chocolate made from Taiwanese cocoa beans is supposedly very high quality. In 2019, Taiwan's chocolatiers won big at the International Chocolate Awards World Final Competition, which is a thing, winning seven gold, 26 silver and 5 bronze. First of all, I am very impressed with Yezevsky's knowledge of Taiwan's chocolate production and confectionery history. The chocolate shop in Taipei is part of a Lithuanian confection company that's been making chocolate for over 100 years. So Yezevsky thinks that chocolate made from Taiwanese cocoa beans and Lithuanian know-how could be formidable. As a guy who would gladly go on an all-chocolate diet if not for a family history of diabetes, I really hope that happens.
2: Before we leave you, here's a look at some of the other news stories that are on our radar.
6: Taiwan's Vice President Lai Ching has arrived in Honduras for the inauguration of the country's first female president Xiomara Castro. The ceremony will take place on Thursday. Castro and Lai both said that Honduras and Taiwan are enjoying friendly relations and expressed hopes that they will keep improving. On his way to Honduras, Lai made a brief visit to Los Angeles, where he was greeted by Taiwan's envoy to the US, the chairman of the American Institute in Taiwan, and Honduras' consul general. Due to COVID-19 restrictions, the vice president was only able to greet local Taiwanese residents from a distance. Taiwan has reported a cluster of COVID cases of unknown origin centered around the port of Kaohsiung. Testing has revealed a connection between those infections and a new sub-variant of Omicron BA2. Premier Su Zhengzhang said on Tuesday that the latest wave is characterized by fast transmission but relatively mild symptoms and that there was no need to panic. Taiwan reported the second highest number of Chinese incursions into its air defense identification zone since the defense ministry started publishing reports in September 2020. 39 Chinese warplanes entered the zone on Sunday with J-16 and J-10 multi-role fighters comprising the bulk of the force. The highest single-day number of incursions was recorded in October last year when China sent 56 machines into Taiwan's air defense zone.
1: And we're back in the studio for our final question of the day, and today I'm going to be asking my co-workers what they're going to do over Lunar New Year break. Now, this show is going to be the one right before the Lunar New Year, and in Taiwan we have a nine-day break, so there's a lot you can do in nine days. So, Stash, tell me, what's your plans for Lunar New Year? I am going to... Elan. Oh,
2: nice. Uh, I like Elan. Yeah. I'm going to spend uh, a lot of time with my, my friends, uh, my Taiwanese friend's family, uh, nice. probably drinking lots of whiskey and having lots of merry times. How are you getting out there? Merry times. Uh, I think we have a train booked. Okay. Yeah. So, thankfully. Ooh, good. Um, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Natalie, what are you going to be doing? I'm on just, just going to be break?
0: hanging out with my family, very oh, nice. precious. Yeah. So. Just some precious uh, relaxed time uh, hopefully fun time mostly in taipei
2: mm. i think
1: your son your boy's gonna be home yes all right great <laughs> and uh, for me i intend on doing a lot of cooking Ooh, Ooh. nice because um yeah i have a lot of uh, what are you gonna ingredients cook? in my house well, <laughs> oh. the thing is like the sky's the limit right i have yeah. so many things today i'll open my freezer i was like I got to do something about all this. Are you doing
2: like traditional kind of... No, 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 uh, yeah, no. jumping
0: over the wall? I,
1: need some I, I can't do that. That's the,
0: <laughs> first, like
1: Buddha jumping over the wall is so intimidating because... It's not
3: that hard. I did it before. Have you done it?
1: Mm-hmm. Because all of the ingredients are like high ticket items. You got like abalone and then like... It's just like I don't want to mess that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but, you have to go um, to Street. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of slow food because I've been subsisting off a lot of beef jerky lately and <laughs> cereal and it's hey, going to be time, nice to right? have a good full-on meal. Yeah. And I hope that you guys nice. eat a lot during Lunar New Year also. <laughs> but that's about all the time we have for this edition of Taiwan Insider. I'm Leslie Liao. I'm Stash Butler.
2: And
0: I'm Natalie So. Make
1: sure to follow us on Facebook and YouTube.
0: And uh, also leave a comment below, we'd love to hear from you.
1: Our Twitter handle is very easy, it's just Taiwan Insider, one word. Let us know what you're doing over the Lunar New Year. Anyway guys, until next week, see you around. Taiwan Today with Natalie So
0: Lithuania is under a lot of pressure for welcoming a Taiwanese representative office So much so that its president said the name was a mistake Now with me today is Matas Valdekas He is the chair of the parliamentary group for relations with Taiwan in the Lithuanian parliament Thank you Matas for speaking with me
5: hi 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 everybody hi Natalie
0: so um we've heard that your president said that the name of the taiwanese representative office is a mistake and also i know some of your politicians are calling for a name change to taipei because of the pressure that beijing has been giving you is it possible that um leaders will change the name of the office to taipei
5: i don't think it's gonna it's gonna happen to, that would send a very bad message for everybody and that would send Uh, very bad message for Taiwanese. We took this responsibility of naming it Taiwanese office and we will gonna stand by this. You have to understand that this is inter-politics between the president and minister of foreign affairs, between different institutions, position and opposition. Of course there is big pressure from China we was prepared for that, but China now is pressing not only us, it is pressing the businesses that want to invest in Lithuania. And that is very different level of pressure, economical pressure of what China is doing. Now its question is not only about Lithuania, but about our commitment to European Union, to our investors. And that's new level of sanctions that we are seeing. We have to stand up to that.
0: That's right. Your foreign minister, um, Gabriel S. Landsberg, has said that the China trade war with Lithuania is a test that the EU cannot fail. So yes. how do you think that the EU is responding to this test so far?
5: Well, China started the war with Lithuania at the very right time. They was really prepared and they was thinking about that. They started it in the early December. So what that means, they know that the Brussels... And also, Washington, I guess, uh, is out to the holidays. Everybody is buying presents. Everybody is preparing for the Christmas, and you have to wait for European Union reaction till the mid of January. So there is a window of opportunity to press us for one month and a half, mostly. Mm. So this is what they are doing. They want to have blitzkrieg with us. They want to. Uh, us to break down in the period of us being, you know, a little relaxed Christmas spirit, of European Union being relaxed in Christmas spirit, and also of that everybody would be not thinking about that and you can't get a reaction very fast. So I hope that we will see the very strong reaction from the European Union. It's becoming more and more consolidated because European Union countries understand that it's a question of time when that will happen to them. And they understand that Lithuania is being done an example for other European countries. It's not only about Lithuania. It's for the whole Europe not to mess with China, not to have an opinion on what is China doing and or play that China narrative. Uh, European Union can't afford to do that. Western world can afford to do that because if we lose, if we break down, that would send a very clear message that United States stands alone against China uh, with Japan and Australia, all other countries, but European Union is neutral in this sense. And neutral European Union is pro-China European Union. We have to be very clear on that.
0: So recently, uh, the EU high representative said that the EU is in solidarity with uh, Lithuania. What do you want to see the EU do?
5: European Union is already preparing some instruments uh, for the countries that got the situation like us, that it will be helped like in a whole European Union. That country that is doing that, this time it's China that country would get a response from the whole European Union that would be an instrument, because what China is doing is a war. It's a trade war, so that means that European Union, because they are not fighting Lithuania in this sense. They are fighting the investors from Germany, from other European countries in Lithuania, and European Union now have to respond with one voice. That can be uh, sanctions against the country that is doing that. That would be uh, financial help f- to the country that is going through this, and of a different instrument. But the most important is show that if any country is doing that, a European Union country, that country will pay the price. That would sh- should be s- there, uh, send a clear message to everybody. The problem is, of course, that the European Union is 27 different countries with different interests, and that, of course, take a long time. We saw that in the Russia case, we saw it in Belarus case, in China case, it might take much longer. But uh, now the presidency is in the hands of France, and France and Macron and France Paris representative send directly a message that the instrument that would help Lithuania will be implemented much faster than it should take in in such cases. And we will see what the European Union will do do, sending the message to China and everybody that want to mess with us.
0: So I know that you're under a lot of pressure. How about domestically? I recently saw that your foreign ministry... I did a survey that yeah. found that about 60% of uh, Lithuanians actually don't agree with this new values-based policy towards China and Taiwan. Mm. So is there a lot of pressure um, domestically?
5: Yes, domestically it's a big pressure, but you have to understand this, the survey that was done It's not about Taiwan and China. It was a survey about the question of value-based politics. And value-based politics is very hard to comprehend and understand. On Taiwanese question, there is more or less uh, understanding, only one political group, not very significant, that uh, have different view, but everybody else is saying that we should keep, uh, do what we're doing, and they support Taiwan in a sense, and it's not, it's, it is not about China per se. It's more about uh, inter-politics. I'll already mention it with the president. Between do you love government or do you not love government? It's always some kind of referendum in a sense. And of course when you have pandemics, it's different issues that come up to one question and you have a, a view that that might differ very much in the opinion of people. Mostly it's about generational gap, I should uh, tell you. Uh, the older generation, it's very hard for them to comprehend what is going on. China? Where is China? What is going on? We have Russia in our back door, and we have Belarus in our back door, and why we're fighting China? Also, Mm. like, pretty small, and we have a lot of friends going on. For them it's much harder to comprehend that now Russia and China is the same issue. It's the same issue, and Russia starts to dictate the agenda for European Union and for NATO only because it have China in their back door. So it is not only about Russia, Belarus, China, different puzzles. It is one puzzle, one piece of a puzzle we have to understand. And the younger generation, the people very much understand what is going on. There is very much support. I never felt so, you know, like if you go to the coffee shops, if you go to the restaurant or to the bars in the evening, Friday and Saturday. It's like everybody's coming and saying, you keep up, never give up, we'll fight <laughs> to the end. Never, never, really? don't even think about giving up to Chinese. And the younger generation understands very much uh, what's going on and the, the cards we have. If, if we lose, no more European Union, NATO and other institutions. We have to understand that it would be just a question of time and the world we live in would be much much different and in Lithuania, case it would wouldn't be like anything that we want to live in
0: well i think it's amazing that your country is standing up for taiwan in such a way So yeah. you know, we appreciate it so much um, i recently went to the chocolate store again mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of the flavors are sold out um you know, Taiwan has been trying to yeah. uh, buy up some of your goods, such as, you know, the 20,000
5: uh, boxes rum of rum. I rum never that, you know, knew, I never knew that Lithuania makes rum. That was a surprise for me. <laughs> I was astonished. News. I was astonished. If we make rum, I don't know we can what we can't make then. <laughs>
0: Also, we have a $1 billion uh, US dollar yeah. credit fund, a uh, $200 million yeah. US dollar investment fund. Is this helping uh, Lithuania? Uh, of course, of
5: absolutely, absolutely. It sends very clear message to everybody. It's not only about Lithuania, it sends the message to European Union other countries also. You have to understand that everybody is watching in European Union, everybody is watching I, what is going to happen. With Lithuania case and how much we will stand up to that, so we should sure. should keep up. So sending, so helping in 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 this case, it sends only not the domestic message for our business that we can do business and not relate so much on China, but it'll also send the message for everybody and it also shows the generosity of you and that you understand what we are going through and this is very very important politically and economically very important i can assure you
0: so will lithuania be able to hold up to the economic pressure that china
5: is giving you yes i absolutely we, we do, what happens is if we lose uh, you understand the cards that we have we understand the the significance of what, what what does it happen to if we lose in this sense and if we lose to china that shows that you can break a European and NATO country like that. What does that shows about Lithuania? Not about Lithuania, about European Union, about the West as a, as a structure, as a civilization. That would show that we, we lost. The West lost. And we understand that we can't do that. It's too much of importance for us.
0: Well, that's beautiful that, you know, your country, which is not really big in size, is taking such a big stance and withstanding so much pressure. You know, we want to thank you for that. Uh, do you foresee that this policy will continue these strong ties with Taiwan?
5: Yes, of course. Now, you know, when you're dealing, when you have a authoritarian regime like China, they can put sanctions on you or do what they are doing now. Like a thief in the night, you know, before Christmas. What is it? Grinch stole the Christmas? It's like you know. So they <laughs> do uh, at one night. In in Lithuania and Taiwan case, we it is free countries. That means that it takes time. It takes time to create ties, economical ties, political ties. Per se, it always takes time. This is human factor. You can't do that like this. Yes. This is the window that China is using, but seeing the possibilities and seeing the political will from your side, and seeing the understanding that how it is important for us, if we will manage to make it a success story, and I'm sure of that, to make an example for all, uh, for everybody, that would send a signal for China also like, we can live without you, and if you are doing that, look, we have a even better examples of that rum that you could drink now will be drunk in taiwan (laughs) with pineapples of freedom so that shows that (laughs) your games don't play and you you know we don't play in your narrative this is the most important would this would be the most important and seeing the success stories of a good investment and good cooperation in business, this is the most important thing that we, why we are doing that, that will create the really big momentum and we should keep up with that.
0: Well, it's great to be able to speak with you Matas yeah. and uh, thank you for the great work that you're doing and your support of Taiwan we will continue to try to support you here from Taiwan as well
5: Thank you very much, thank you for you and thank you for everybody, thank you for, that you understand what we are going through. with your help we will manage it Thank
0: you. Thank you so much. I've been speaking with Matas Maudekis. He's the chair of the Lithuanian Parliamentary Group for Relations with Taiwan in the Lithuanian Parliament.
1: This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound.
7: Welcome to News Playlist. I'm your host, Shirley Lin. We're going to bring you some reports uh, of Taiwan that's happened uh, recently. To start off, uh, even though this earthquake that happened in Taiwan was some time ago, but it gives you some background about earthquakes and especially just which part of town actually gets affected the most from earthquakes. I bring you this report. Chandeliers were shaking crazily at this banquet hall when a magnitude 5.1 earthquake hit Taiwan on Tuesday. Central Weather Bureau seismologist Chiu Jun-da says it was an aftershock to the earthquake on Monday, which registered at 6.0 on the Richter scale. National Central University professor C.T. Lee says that subduction earthquakes caused by big tectonic plates colliding happen once every 100 years. Taiwan sits on the fault of two plates, the Philippine Sea Plate and the Eurasian Plate. Lee says it's been 101 years since the last subduction quake in 1920. He says Taiwan should brace itself for a strong earthquake of magnitude 8.0 or above. Lee says it's not Hualien but Taipei that people should be worried about. However, Chiu says we cannot assume that big earthquakes will come in regular cycles. He says earthquakes take place every day. No matter how you view the likelihood of a big quake in the future, it's always best to be prepared. This next report uh, actually dates back to early January, but it talks about uh, how some foreign students were affected um, in the recruitment at a certain university in Zhanghua County. And as a result, it was uh, banned from recruiting foreign students for a period of time. Emma Banak brings you this story.
8: A group of students sitting outside of Zhanghua's Zhongzhou University of Science and Technology chat away in their native languages. These foreign students came to Taiwan without knowing Mandarin, and were upset when they didn't see the English-taught classes that the university had promised. Some Ugandan students complained that only two professors were able to conduct classes in English, and that their scholarship checks had bounced, forcing them to find part-time jobs where they need to work over the weekly limit of 20 hours. Zhongzhou University says it never promoted that all courses were taught only in English to foreign students. As for the scholarship money, the university says it had to adjust the tuition subsidies based on the students' academic performance due to the pandemic. From the university's Center for International Exchange Director, Li Shuling, says that the scholarship policy has been the same since the 2020 spring semester, and that the subsidy is only meant to cover half of the students' expenses. Education ministry official Yang Yu Hui says the university has done a poor job of assisting its foreign students. Due to the university's negligence, the ministry is banning them from recruiting any more foreign students and giving them a deadline to present proof of improved conditions for current students. Hopefully, the students will receive better support in the future and graduate with not only a degree, but also a mastery of Mandarin.
7: Emma Banak, RTI News. The Tokyo Olympic Games were not the only sporting event that got postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, There was also the Asia Pride Games that was supposed to take place last year, but now it's official. It's open to registration. And uh, Tomasz Köber has uh, given a very excellent and uh, detailed report about that subject.
6: the registration for 2022 Asia Pride Games officially kicked off on Tuesday. The event will be held from April 29th to May 3rd. It was originally scheduled for last year but was delayed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Contestants will compete in 15 sports and activities including bowling, tennis, volleyball, swimming, track and field, weightlifting, dodgeball, esports, softball, basketball, badminton, golf, running, table tennis and soccer. The competitions are open to anyone who isn't opposed to LGBTQ rights and loves sports. The chair of Taiwan Gay Sports and Movement Association, Yang Zi-chun, says that one of the highlights of the games is having numerous categories for non-binary participants. The organizers are also encouraging amateur athletes and enthusiasts to participate in separate categories. The president of Asia Pride Games Alliance and one of Taiwan's most prominent gay civil rights activists, Xi Jiawei, is also encouraging participation in the spirit of gender equality. He says that in the past, there existed toxic stereotypes of masculinity in sports, which are now changing as openly homosexual athletes gain prominence. Taipei Deputy Mayor Tsai-Bing Kun says that because of the COVID-19 situation, registration for the event is currently only open to people residing in Taiwan. If conditions improve, steps may be taken to include participants from Southeast Asia and other parts of the world. A number of cultural events and discussion forums will take place on the sidelines of the five-day games with the aim of creating a friendlier and more equal environment in sports. Tomasz Kopper, RTI News.
7: So being the year of the tiger, um, what is a UFO lantern doing in the Shilin district? Well, we are having the Lantern Festival that's coming up um, after Chinese New Year's, I think on the 15th day in the Lunar New Year. And my has this report talking about that UFO lantern, but also just everything else about it. Anyway, it's the Year of the Tiger. I hope that you do have lanterns um, in the shape of tigers. And by the way, I was born in the Year of the Tiger, so this is my year. And it seems like the Year of the Tiger is always uh, auspicious. Supposedly, it's supposed to boost businesses, so definitely nobody wants uh, a, a Lantern Festival to be shut down because of COVID. Um, besides, it's outdoors. You still have to keep you know, your mask on and uh, social distancing, but uh, let's hope that everybody can enjoy this Lantern Festival that's coming up. Uh, not too soon, but soon enough. Again, Emma Benek has this report.
1: Uh,
8: Crowds gasp in delight as a giant UFO is revealed in Taipei's Shilin District. This futuristic spaceship is the main attraction for the upcoming Lantern Festival, and it's controlled by virtual tigers to celebrate this year's new zodiac sign. Deputy Taipei Mayor Tsai Bing-kun spoke at the Lantern Reveal on Thursday, saying that he hopes the bright lanterns and the spirit of the tiger will light up Shilin for the whole year. Taipei's Lantern Festival will be open to the public from February 11th to 20th. There is concern that a recent rise in local COVID-19 cases in Taiwan will cause the country to go back up to a Level 3 alert, which might shut down large public activities like the Lantern Festival. Tsai says there are currently no restrictions on the number of people who can attend the festival. He says he hopes that since this is an outdoor exhibit, people will be able to move freely and maintain social distancing. Tsai says that all visitors must wear a mask at all times and reminds the public to register for a third COVID vaccine dose as soon as possible. Many shop owners in the festival's vicinity eagerly await the arrival of crowds that could bring a significant boost to business. With a soft lockdown and absence of foreign tourists due to the pandemic, many major events and celebrations have been canceled over the past two years. However, business owners hope the Year of the Tiger will bring some good fortune. Emma Banak. RTI News.
7: Being a new pet owner starting this year, I just uh, couldn't be more happy to hear that the government is creating a unit solely for, you know, um, pet issues. And so Taiwan is going to be setting up its first government unit for protecting pets. And that's going to happen after the Chinese New Year's. Let's have a listen to this report again by Emma Benac taiwan
8: is opening the first government unit with the sole focus of improving the welfare of pets and animals that's because pets are becoming more and more popular in taiwan two out of seven households own one agriculture minister chen ji Jong said in a facebook post that this new unit will create at least 100 positions and have an annual budget of nearly 5 million u.s dollars it will monitor and manage trends in the pet industry such as pet insurance grooming food training, and pet-sitting. Chen says that Taiwan needs to have a department like this because the country's pet industry is worth nearly two billion U.S. dollars per year. Over two million households own pets in Taiwan. The department will also inspect the ethics of animal performances and educate the public about the potential danger in raising animals that are invasive species in Taiwan. It will list the types of pets that need special approval or are illegal it's clear that advocating for pets is an increasingly important issue for the millions of pet owners in Taiwan. After all, these furry and feathered friends are more like family members to their owners, and they deserve to have the government's protection. Emma Banak,
7: RTI News. China up to now is still making incursions into Taiwan's air defense identification zone. So Taiwan's defense sees the need to maintain its defense capabilities and engage in regional cooperation with other countries on the matter. Tomáš Kaper brings you the story.
6: The Indian Air Force published a screenshot from a video conference on their official Facebook profile on Thursday. One of the officials that can be seen in the photo is Chief of Taiwan's Air Force, ho Ji. The screenshot also revealed that high-ranking Air Force personnel from other countries participated in the virtual conference, including the United States, Japan, South Korea, and Germany. Taiwanese lawmaker Wang Dingyu says that the screenshot indicates that Taiwan is engaging in multilateral cooperation instead of relying solely on its relationship with the U.S. The Air Force is a hot topic in Taiwan following the recent crash of an F-16V jet. Planes of this model took to the skies again on Thursday after being grounded since the incident. The fourth tactical fighter wing, based in Jiayi and equipped with the upgraded F-16V variant, performed 24 sorties in a single day. However, besides the upgrade program, Taiwan is also in the process of acquiring additional 66 F-16 Block 70 jets from the US. Delivery times are still unknown, but according to a recent Reuters news agency report, the US is seeking ways to speed up the process. The former commander of Taiwan's Air Force, Yen-ting, says that since Taiwan is a potential flashpoint, he hopes it can be given priority in terms of delivery schedules. He also says that an average of 14 fighter pilots enter service in Taiwan each year, while around 12 retire. By the time the final batch of F-16s is delivered in 2026, Taiwan will have a total of 200 machines of this model. However, with constant provocations from the Chinese Air Force, personal training has to keep up with new plane deliveries. Tomasz Koper, RTI News.
7: For this week's news playlist, I bring in the last report uh, done by me, Basically that doctors are not very optimistic about keeping COVID-19 at bay Uh, in the short run as the number of confirmed domestic cases continue to rise. I bring you the story. Pedestrians on the street were told to evacuate. A department store suddenly announced that it was closing in the middle of a workday. That was all because a person confirmed to have COVID had been in the vicinity. The street and the department store were closed for disinfection. Authorities are still trying to figure out what the source of the infection was. Epidemiologist Li Ying says that when many infection chains are in a community, it becomes difficult to track everyone who has come into contact with COVID patients. Cases have spread from the cluster that began at the Taiwan-Taiwan International Airport. Next week, which is the week before the Lunar New Year holiday, will be critical to seeing whether northern Taiwan will be able to contain the virus. Li says that because overseas travelers will be arriving in Taiwan over that period. He also says that over the holiday, there will be many more people moving around, Therefore, Lee says that putting a clamp on the spread of the virus might not be possible in the short run. Around 20% of town's population has not even received a first COVID vaccine dose. A lockdown also does not seem like an option because of the severe impact it would have on the economy. It seems that the only immediate preventive measure is to get everyone vaccinated.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International, Taiwan's national broadcaster. We hope you enjoyed our programs. You can catch all of our latest news, audio, and video features on our website at en.rti.org.tw. Again, go to our website en.rti.org.tw for engaging news, videos, and programs about Taiwan. If you'd like to hang out on social media, RTI is there too. Our Facebook URL is Radio Taiwan International. And you can watch our engaging video features, including the weekly news magazine program Taiwan Insider, on our YouTube channel, RTI English. Again, our YouTube channel is RTI English. For those who enjoy the Twitter sphere, our handle for Taiwan Insider is at Taiwan Insider. For RTI English, it's at radio taiwan underscore eng and if you'd like to enjoy us on your smartphone just download our app rti2go that's one of the best ways to enjoy all our news videos and programs that's rti2go if you're a shortwave listener we have two channels in asia for south asia tune into 6100 kilohertz from 1600 to 1700 utc To Southeast Asia, you can hear us on 15320 kHz from 0300 to 0400 UTC. We would love to know what you think of our programs. Email us at english at rti.org.tw. Thank you again for tuning in to Radio Taiwan International.